Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris. You can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time for our early look at next week's lines and with me to break it all down is Alex Kaloje, a sports betting writer for The Score. You can find him on Twitter at AJ Kaloje and I will spell his last name for you because you will never get it right. K-O-L-O-D-Z-I-E-J. Alex, thanks for coming back on the show. How's it going? I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Good. I believe you were here for a preseason episode before. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it was basically just me and you having a nice cordial disagreement on the Houston Texans for about 45 minutes. But yes, it was it was a lot of fun, and I'm glad to be back. All right. I feel like I was probably right on that, but I don't remember it specifically, so I'll, uh, I'll leave it up to the listeners to go back and tell me differently. Now, how was Week 7 for you, out of curiosity, from a NFL betting perspective? Uh, week seven was was okay. Um, a lot more totals than sides had come through, and it's funny because I I had been playing strictly totals for the first couple weeks, and and there were a couple sides that stuck out, and saw a lot of sharp players that were on the same side, and I thought, you know what, I'll I'll try my hand on some sides, and sure enough, I got reverse swept. So heading into this week, I'll probably have to regroup a little bit and probably go back to just playing some totals and, and player props and. And, and stuff like that. But yeah, overall, it was, it was a good week. I feel like this season in the NFL has been been pretty kind to me and wish I could say the same about college football. So it's basically been ass backwards the last two years in terms of college football and NFL. I feel like my strengths uh, for the past you know decade have been college football and NFL has just kind of been throwing some darts here and there. But for whatever reason, the NFL has been um, pretty profitable so far. How about yourself? All right. Well, Our early impressions are going to be spot on right now. I'm making that proclamation, so don't you worry about it. Now, Alex and I are going to be going through each game on the Week 8 slate. We're going to be using the consensus odds over at bettingpros.com. Now, unless this is your first time listening, you know that the consensus odds are an aggregation of the odds that are available on the market. But as always, there are going to be differences in the various sports books. So go ahead and shop around for the best odds. Also, if you want to see how some of the top sports betting experts are leaning on any given bet at any given time, bettingpros.com is going to show you that too. All right, Alex, let's dive right in here with the Redskins at the Vikings on Thursday night. The current aggregate odds are Vikings minus 15 and the over under at 41 and a half. Now, the spread has dropped from the look ahead line. It was 16 and a half. So the Vikings now are down about a point and a half from where they were. Vikings are really starting to get in a roll here. They continue to mix in their passing game a little bit more. It does not sound like Adam Thielen is going to play. More likely he's out until week nine after he left uh, Sunday's game against the Lions with a hamstring injury. I doubt the Vikings are going to need him to win, but that could account a little bit for the money probably coming in a little bit on the Redskins. As for them, they are coming off a monsoon game against the 49ers where you really couldn't draw any specific conclusion. So how do you feel about Vikings laying 15 and the over-under of 41 and a half? Yeah, I don't have much of an edge on this game. The numbers look about right, especially with uh, with Adam Thielen being out. Kind of had to adjust a little bit for that. Um, I just, you know, I find it weird because Washington to start the season, they were such a good over team. Um, everybody was throwing on their defense and their secondary, and then that put, basically put Case Keenum into um, into full pass mode. And I remember the first couple of weeks, you know, I was playing his player props over passing yards almost every week, and it was, you know, it worked out pretty well given the situation and how games had played out. And now you look at the last three, four games, Washington's kind of turned into an under team. And I know last week's weather, uh, or excuse me, yesterday's weather with San Francisco kind of, you know, I don't, I don't know exactly how much you can you can put into that. It was basically a slop fest with a lot of running the football. But um, I agree with the move here from uh, from 40, I think the opener, 40, 40 and a half to 41 and a half, because I think this weekend 
with Washington, you know, they've played, you know, they played Miami. They were in there with, uh, with San Francisco, you know, yesterday and whatnot. And they were perfectly content with running the ball. And with the new coaching change, they've, they've obviously adopted that identity that they wanted to run the football. But, you know, as, as 16 point underdogs and, and probably going to be trailing most of the game, I think Washington's going to have to throw the ball to get back into it. So my initial lean here is actually the over at 41 and a half. Um, so, you know, after the first three weeks of going over and the last three weeks being an under team, I think I'm going to go back to on the, uh, go back on the wagon here and probably lean over here 41 and a half yeah I agree with that I mean the Redskins are overall relatively healthy and the Vikings defense while strong of course I mean they're not this just like lockdown unit anymore as Detroit showed yesterday putting up points with you know relative ease uh, it was more about the Vikings offense and yeah you know a Thursday night game without uh, Adam Thielen fine but you know I feel like as a general matter defenses aren't you know always you know fully up for the challenge going over here you've got the Vikings coming up with games against the Chiefs and then following that up with a game against Dallas this is an easy spot for them to look ahead I don't worry too much about the spread but I don't have a, a real good lean on it but I agree with you that I think that the over is probably the play here at least early and it's already moved that point I would uh, wouldn't be surprised to see it move up to closer to 42 maybe even 42 and a half and I will say this too Dan I think early in the season the past you know the first um you know, six, seven weeks. We saw a lot of primetime games, a lot of Thursday night games go under the total. It seemed like every primetime game, Sunday night, Monday night, Thursday night, seemed to be low scoring games. And I think now that we're getting kind of in the, you know, the second half of the season here, we're going to start seeing that, you know, four day rest, the three, three and a half day rest from Sunday to Thursday start taking new effect for the defenses here. And I think we'll start seeing a little bit more high scoring games as the season goes on, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, absolutely agree. Moving on to the next game, Seahawks at the Falcons. The odds are still Seahawks laying three and a half and the over under at 53 and a half moved just slightly from the opening line of 54. You've obviously got some question marks here for the Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan has a sprained ankle. He's not ruled out for week eight. He could play. Certainly the Falcons season is a complete dumpster fire and basically done already at this point. Ido Smith is ruled out. um, But other than that, this really depends on Matt Ryan, so it's a little difficult. But let's assume Ryan plays here, unless you think it's worth jumping in at the Seahawks laying three and a half, just given the uncertainty. Uh, with the Seahawks, though, look, they you know are probably pretty angry. Coming off a bad loss against Baltimore at home, they were a little bit embarrassed. Um, they're relatively healthy, not fully a little injuries on the defensive side. But, you know, I'll be honest, three and a half, regardless of Ryan, I'm, I'll assume Ryan's healthy. Three and a half struck me as a little bit light here. I expected this to be more like four and a half, somewhere closer to that. And I think it's going to move that way, regardless of whether or not Ryan is uh, ruled out. Yeah, I would expect that to jump, even if Ryan's in um, high ankle sprain, I believe it is. And even if he's even if he goes, he's not going to be 100%. And if I could be wrong here, but I think um, some shops actually moved this up to seven um, with with Ryan being out. You know, I was reading some stuff, talking to some guys, sure. and had a group discussion. And you know, that would imply that he's worth you know three and a half points to the spread here. But I would actually say that Ryan's worth more in this case from. You know the the drop off from Ryan to Shaw. I, I I think it's a lot more than that. To be perfectly honest with you, I don't. I know Matt Ryan's not playing like an MVP, but you know for him to keep the Falcons in games with shootouts, like that, that takes a lot. Like for four quarters, this team's almost always trailing. And you know for all the problems that they've had, I don't think he's been that that big of a problem. Um, you know Seattle. I've played a lot of Seattle overs early in the season. Uh, they were one of my favorite teams to play overs. I think I played their overs four straight weeks. Um. 
you know, obviously they don't, they don't have the defense that they once had. But uh, for me, when I made this number, I made it 52 and a half. So 53 and a half is, uh, is pushing it. 53 and a half, 54 is pushing it for me. Um, I would honestly lean under here. Um, Seahawks, still a run-heavy team. Um, don't let Russell Wilson's pass stats fool you. They still want to want to put the ball on the ground. And, and Atlanta actually has a very underrated front seven. I know they've been bad. I know the numbers um, would suggest otherwise, but they have been getting pressure. Um, so in this case, I would lean under and and basically hope that you know that Matt Schaub comes in and plays, or that Ryan isn't exactly 100. percent But my initial lean here is actually under, which is crazy because I love playing both teams over. But this just this number just got too high for me. I think this is a game where the Seahawks can probably win it pretty easily, regardless of if Ryan plays, particularly, though, if he's compromised. And I think in the end, that is what they want to do, right? I mean, Russell Wilson has been incredible, but in the end, Brian Schottenheimer wants to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. That's all he really wants to do. And I think this is a game that they can control pretty easily um, on the ground, uh, you know, just generally because Chris Carson has been so good. Um, and, you know, I think they'll be able to score, but I agree this is not a game that I think trends as a shootout regardless. So I agree with the under. And if you can get, again, you know, there are shops still offering 3.5 right now. I jump on it for the Seahawks because I, I don't really care if Ryan plays, even if he were 100%. The Falcons are just in disarray. I can't believe Dan Quinn still has a job at this point. So uh, if you like the line, jump on it. And if it pushes to seven, I mean, if Ryan's out, I'm still fine to do that um, with Matt Schaub because. As you pointed out, it is not a uh, an insignificant downgrade, certainly, at the quarterback spot. Let's move on here to Broncos at the Colts. Colts here are laying 6.5. Over-under is at 43.5. Colts just continue to roll. They're still an underrated team, and with Darius Leonard back, they can really lock down the run like they did against the Texans. Meanwhile, the Broncos were everyone's underrated team that's so much better than their record until they laid a terrible egg against the Chiefs, even with Patrick Mahomes out on Thursday night. Now they have to travel to Indianapolis. They get the mini-buy here because they're coming off a Thursday night game, but how do you feel about Colts laying six and a half under the key number of seven and the over under at 43 and a half? Yeah, this is going to be another under for me. Um, I was on the under this past weekend in Indianapolis, Houston, and watching it unfold is just reminded me how much I hate betting unders. But I, I, <laughs> I sincerely think that this Colts team um, is not the Colts team that we think it is, um, despite seeing the score um, this past weekend. I, I know playing... Houston secondary um, is a recipe for playing overs, but I thought it was a good under because Jacoby Brissett's basically been a game manager. They haven't really put the ball in his hands. They they don't mind handing the ball off to Marlon Mack and Jordan Wilkins and you know letting Jacoby Brissett throw here and there, but they're not a shootout team. Um, I made this 42 and a half. Denver's, Denver's offense to me doesn't offer any upside. Um, Joe Flacco obviously hasn't been playing great. I think their receiving corpse is extremely underwhelming. Um, their defense is really the only thing that I can can really pinpoint here as a strength, and and to me, I think this number is a point point and a half high, and I'm gonna wait to see if I can get uh, 44. 44 pops up, then I'm gonna be on the under, but I already grabbed some at 43 and a half, and I feel real good about it. How about six and a half? Because that feels about right to me. I mean, I expect the Colts to win here. I wasn't surprised to see it under seven, but I I think this is about where it's going to end up. I don't expect it to move, and I think if you like either side, you can wait um, because I, I I'd be shocked if it moves up to the key number of seven, but that feels about right to me. Yeah, this feels very, very um, eerily reminiscent of, you know, the Colts. They, trying to think of it, it was week four. They were off a win, and then they came back home, and they were playing Oakland, Oakland and laying yep. six and a half, and it was just, it looked just so good to be true. Yeah. Um, you know, road teams off buys have typically um, fared well, and um, 
you know, maybe that plays a part into it too. But uh, no play on this on the spread. I made it six. Um, so, you know, I, I I couldn't tell you. I'm terrible at reading the market on spreads. I just it, it's <laughs> it's gotten to the point now where it doesn't matter how hard I try. I just I can't get a read on the market in terms of spreads. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm going back to the wall here with the total. I just I I think. Denver and Indianapolis are going to wind up being two of the best under teams once it's all said and done. And I know that some of the box scores for Indianapolis would suggest otherwise, but really their identity under Frank Reich, which is kind of weird to say, is is kind of been a conservative approach on offense. And I think we're going to see a slog here. All right. So you heard it there first. You listen to whatever Alex says on the spread and just do the opposite. But trust <laughs> yeah, him no, on the over unders. No, no, no. I honestly, that's fine. That I, I, I've had you know a couple of weeks where I felt great about it, and a couple of weeks where I don't really have a good sense. This at six point five. Feels about right to me with the Colts coming off a giant win um, against the Texans. It feels a little bit like a letdown game, and everybody's kind of off the Broncos because of how bad they looked, but they're not nearly that bad a team. So I think six and a half is good. I would probably lean towards the Colts overall so long as it stays below the key number, but it's not something where I'm overly excited about, nor am I with the Cardinals at Saints. This was actually Saints laying eight and a half. It's moved all the way up to Saints laying 10, and the over-under has stayed relatively where it is. 48 uh, open going to 47 and a half. So there's two teams. Look, they're both trending in the right direction. The Saints remain undefeated with Teddy Bridgewater under center. They don't miss a beat without Alvin Kamara yesterday against the Bears. They're playing lights out defensively. Meanwhile, the Cardinals have now won three in a row and they got Patrick Peterson back. Admittedly, their three wins were against the Bengals, Falcons and Giants, three of the worst teams in the league. So thoughts on coming in here at Saints. When it was eight and a half, I, I, it was a little shocking to me. Ten makes me a little more hesitant, but Saints slaying 10 and the over under, I know that's your bread and butter, 47 and a half. Yeah. Um, so new Orleans was actually one of the first bets I made this week. Um, Arizona right now is probably at the peak of their price right now in the market. Um, yeah, you could say that they have momentum, um, but obviously you have to look at the schedule. I mean, they they beat Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that was off a Thursday or excuse me, a, you know, a primetime loss to, uh, to Pittsburgh. They beat, Atlanta, you know, a depleted Atlanta team who was off a beat down in Houston. So they were on the second of a back-to-back uh, road game as well. And then last week they go into New York, they go up 17-0 and really didn't look back. And the weather in that game, I think, affected both game plans. But, you know, coming in, I think that New Orleans is going to be able to do whatever they want offensively. Um the offensive line is playing as good as anybody in football right now, and I think that they're going to be able to contain Arizona's um, quote-unquote pass rush or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, t- Teddy Bridgewater, 28-7 and against the spread as a starter in the NFL, the best record, um, you know, for a minimum amount of starts for a qualifying quarterback. I also lean to be under here at 48-and-a-half. Um, yeah, I-, I obviously don't love Cliff Kingsbury running basically a no-huddle college set because that tends to give you a lot more possessions, um, (laughs) tends to get in in a lot of shootouts as we've seen this year. But um, the way New Orleans defense is playing um, with Marshawn Lattimore and the pass rush that they have, and, you know, I just can't see um, Arizona on the second of a back-to-back going into a dome and, and putting up points against a really, really good New Orleans team. Yeah, I my worry in both of these numbers, the Saints laying 10, the over-under at 47.5, is that the Saints would get out to a big lead and then just kind of sit back a little bit like they did against the Bears here. 
um, in this past game where the Bears were completely shut down all game. And then they just came roaring back at the end with two touchdowns. They still lost by a significant amount, but that would really be my worry. And then I think the way the game plays out, the Saints should be able to win by 10 points. I agree. The Cardinals, to me, strike me as complete paper tigers with this schedule. The Saints defense is absolutely legitimate in that dome. They're getting real excited. By the way, of course, there is the question of whether or not Drew Brees is going to play, which could account a little bit of the number. I am going to be shocked if he plays in this game. I believe that they have a bye um, the week after that. Right. They do have a bye the week after that. I can't see any way that they bring him back before the following game against Atlanta. So to the extent that's factoring in, I really wouldn't. I expect it to be Bridgewater. It's It hasn't been that you know crazy in terms of what the Saints have been able to do. But overall, I think the Saints minus 10 and the over-under now at 47.5, I agree with with um, sort of, you know, that line being around, right? I just don't think this is a game I'm going to touch at those numbers for fear of kind of like the backdoor yes. cover, certainly, right, by the Cardinals, just just sitting back a little bit and letting it happen. You yeah, know? yeah. I mean, be, getting it whacked up all the way to 10, I mean, if even if you're up by 17, I mean, if you're up by three possessions, 17 points, I mean, I just, I would have no faith in you know, a, a defense being in prevent and letting Kyler yeah. just, it's, and that's why the Arizona team scares me. That, that offense there, I'm, I would take a lot of offenses over Arizona's, but in a two minute drill garbage time, I don't think there's, there's another offense that I'd want to see other than Kyler Murray and, you know, the, the receivers and David Johnson, because they play at such a fast pace and I've had to adjust for that a lot. I, again, I've played a lot of overs, um, and a lot of opponents' team total overs when I'm playing Arizona, but um, batting against them honestly is not fun. Um, yeah, you know the week two against Baltimore. Um, I know you know I'm from Phoenix. I'm, I live in here now, and I know a lot of people who were on Baltimore in that game, and they were just pulling their hair out watching that game. Um, and I faded Arizona last week against New York, and and watching that offense when they're hot, they're hot. But I just don't I don't love the matchup this weekend against you know arguably the best defense they'll face all year. So um, to me, I, I, I took, again, I took New Orleans at eight and a half. I wouldn't recommend them at 10 right now, but um, I might get involved on the total if it, if it gets to 49, because in, in that case, I'm going to, I'm going to be on both New Orleans and the other in this spot. Yeah. Let's move on now here to the chargers at the bears. The bears are currently laying four and a half. It was five and a half when I saw the look ahead line and the over under is now at 40 and a half and it was at 39 and a half. So like the last game, we've got two teams here going in the same direction, but unlike the other game, they are heading in the wrong direction. The chargers are coming off their third straight loss, a heartbreaker to the Titans, which they should have won. If you simulated that game a hundred times, they win probably at the end 99. Uh, they're just a disaster at this point. Russell Okun should come back this week, I think, and help the offensive line. But they're obviously dealing with injuries all over the place. On the other side, the Bears, look, their vaunted defense, it just it looks completely vulnerable against the run with Akeem Hicks down. You saw what Latavius Murray was able to do. Josh Jacobs had a big game before that. So they're really not looking sort of like that shutdown unit that we kind of expected them to be and that they look like early in the season. And again, on offense, there's just nothing. Mitchell Trubisky, he returned, but he looked terrible until you know late when there was garbage time David Montgomery is barely being used when he is he's not getting much on the ground so it's kind of two teams that you don't really want to back either way but here Bears now laying four and a half total at 40 and a half what do you think yeah you hit the nail on the head there two teams trending up or trending in both directions you know the same direction and it's it's not up um you know there are times when I like playing overs between two teams who are really bad because they just really don't care but um, I have no play on the total. I lean Chicago in the spot. Um, I don't really 
take into account the hangovers as much in the NFL as I do in college. But for LA, this is just a terrible loss. Um, a week after getting blown out by the Steelers in prime time, you didn't think it could get any worse. But for some reason, LA found out that it could. And it's weird because I think the Chargers are the only franchise in the NFL that could actually have that happen to them. Um, so West Coast team coming East Coast for an early kick. Chicago's kind of heard it all in the media about how bad they are. Um, they get a beat up Chargers team. I still think Chicago's still got a lot to play for at three and three, unlike the two and five Chargers. At this spot, I'd lean Chicago minus four and a half. Yeah, I kind of like the Chargers at five and a half. I was looking at them right now. This entire game is a stay away. And, you know, yes. it's becoming this sort of thing where there are a lot of teams right now where I just do not feel comfortable because I just do not know what I'm going to see from them. Week in and week out, the Chargers are one. The Titans are one who I don't know if I will ever lay another line on the Titans, regardless of which way it's going. The Bucks, I never know what I'm going to see out of the Bucks, And I, I'm seeing that definitely from the Chargers and a little bit from the Bears at this point. If anything, even at four and a half, I still actually think I kind of lean a little bit towards the Chargers just because I could see this one being kind of close, uh, being more of a three-point game. I could see the backdoor cover, too, even if the Chargers are down, scoring a late touchdown to to get it within three or something like that. And the total at 40 and a half, that's fine. I don't really have a lean on that. I, I would expect that to be around where it is. But overall... This is really not a game I kind of want to go here, so uh, let, let's keep going here. Uh, but before we do, I want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Now, you know about BetMGM already. I tell you about it pretty much every podcast, and in particular, the BetMGM Sports app, because it's the easiest and best way to place a bet if you are in the state of New Jersey. Just search for and download the BetMGM Sports app on your phone or visit BetMGM.com, sign up for an account, and you can place a bet right from your home. And once you sign up for an account, you will want to pay attention because they offer boosted bets and promotions across all major sports. This past week, there was a boosted bet where if you bet $1 on the 49ers to win on the money line, you would get $100 in winnings if they won, which of course they did. It's basically like free money when that happens, so you really need to pay attention. They also let you track your bet in real time, and they offer early cash outs where you can settle a bet before the game ends to lock in winnings or cut your losses. And if you sign up right now, you get a free $500 bet. Here's the deal. When you download the BetMGM Sports app and you sign up using our promo code HARRIS, then your first bet of up to $500 is risk-free. If you lose, BetMGM credits you the amount you lost up to $500. That is basically free money. So just download the app and use the promo code HARRIS to claim the promotion. And you can go to BetMGM.com. For further details, you must be 21 years or older, and although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions, and if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Alex, let's move on to our next game, Bengals against the Rams. This is in London. Rams here are laying 12.5. The over-under has moved up to 48.5 from 47. The Bengals are terrible. We talked about it when we were breaking down Arizona's schedule. Uh, the offensive line is in complete shambles. The defense is beat up, and they can't tackle anyone. They tried against the Jaguars. They kind of kept it close for most of the game, but that's hardly enough to give anybody any sort of optimism. Meanwhile, the Rams have struggled badly, but certainly the Falcons can make any team feel better. They looked much better there. They're still disjointed, though. Todd Gurley doesn't look like he's 100%. The receivers aren't really all that involved. The offensive line is still struggling. So at 12 and a half, I still kind of lean the Rams here. It's under the key numbers, of course, um, but I don't feel great about it despite how terrible the Bengals have been. And the over-under moving up to 48 and a half. What do you think? 
Yeah, Cincinnati's a team that... <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. Like, there are bad teams in the league, and then there's, like, bad but fun teams that I, like, w- I wouldn't mind watching a full 60 minutes of, and Cincinnati's probably one of them. Like, you couldn't pay me to watch a Tennessee game. You couldn't pay me to watch the Dolphins. You couldn't pay me to watch the Redskins, but I, like... I don't know what it is. I just have a, a weird. Yeah, do you effect. have an actual rationale for this? Because what you're saying makes no sense to me. Because the Bengals are terrible, the Dolphins are terrible, the Redskins are terrible. Why the Bengals? Oh man! Well, when they had their full, when they had their full receiving corps of uh, Boyd and John Ross and Auden Tate and you know the, the ghost of Tyler Eifert and uh, your boy Joe Mixon, who has um, I think 1,200 yards from scrimmage this <laughs> this season. Um, I don't know what it is. They just they always get down early, and then they have to throw the ball, and they're always in shootouts. And I don't know. I just have a weird soft spot for the Bengals. This is, is the <laughs> weirdest take that I've ever had on this podcast. I'm just letting you know. Legitimately, the strangest sort of – let me just tell you what I love. The Bengals, because they're terrible, and they throw the ball, and I like watching them. I don't get it. Does that influence your thoughts on the actual lines? Rams like 12 and a half and the over under four. Are you just like, yeah, I want the over because I want to root for the Bengals? To Andy That's Dalton to just have a shoot? that or what that's exactly right i did play the over in this game i play, i play almost every Bengals over if i okay. if it's in that's range. at least something that's actionable that's at least like all right i think the Bengals are good for the over that's fine go for it so i don't, I don't play fantasy but i always have like this 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 weird rationale of like oh i'm sure like a lot of people like love the Bengals because they have boyd and i'm sure dalton's like a streamable guy and mix i just checked yesterday Mixon has like 200 rushing yards yeah, he does know. not do anything right now. Joe Mixon in fantasy is, like, droppable. I do not understand anything you're saying about the Bengals, man. I mean, legitimately. Let's just say this. You like the over in this game. Is that fair? I like, I like the over. I thought, they had All like, right. I thought they had, like, three wins, but, yeah. No, no, they have not won a game. Where are you looking? All right, all right. Here's what I want I made, you to do. I made, I made the total 50. I played the over. <laughs> Uh, okay, that's fine. I actually agree with you on the over here. I think both teams are going to be able to score. I think the Rams' defense is not what it once was, even though, of course, they added Jalen Ramsey, um, and so they should be fine. But in London, I mean, that's tough. That that does a number on teams. I expect both teams. I do also like the over, which is why it's moved significantly. And again, for me, nobody's going to take your advice on the spread at this point because you're a, you love the Bengals too much, but I actually kind of lean the Rams here at 12.5. I expect that to move up a little bit. Um, but I don't know, man, London games are crazy. You know, it's one of the, it, it does throw a little bit of a wrench into it. So I'm fine if it's a stay away for, for most betters. Um, for me right now, I lean Rams at 12 and a half and I still lean the over even at 48 and a half when it was 47, I got in on it, but at 48 and a half, yeah. uh, I'm more than happy. To <clears throat> yeah. I, I think you'll see LA struggle against, um, even somewhat competent defenses, uh, even last week against Atlanta, um, 7.7 yards per pass attempt and only 2.5 rushing yards per attempt. So, it, you know, the box score, they put up 37 points, but really it wasn't. I mean, they, they got set up by some good field position, had benefited from some turnovers and, and whatnot. So um, I think L.A. is a team to monitor going forward. I don't think that showing against San Francisco was a fluke. I think teams have somewhat figured out. Their offensive line is an absolute train wreck. Um, but against Cincinnati, it doesn't matter. I, I think they can name the score here, and Cincinnati's going to 
I have to throw the ball. So it's, it's my, my my train of thought for Cincinnati is the same every week. So it's for me, I'm just I just submit overs <laughs> weekly yeah. on the Bengals. All of that is fair, and uh, you know AJ Green, I don't think has been ruled out yet. I'm not expecting him to play here. And you know they've said he's not going to play before the trade deadline, but then today they said we're not ruling him out. So who knows? But I don't really think it matters. I do expect them to be able to move the ball a little bit here more and put up a few points. So I do think that over 48 and a half right now would be the play. Let's look at the Jets and Jaguars. The Jaguars here are laying four and a half and the over under is at 41. Now, you know, we are recording this on Monday before the Jets Pats game. So we haven't seen what they look like tonight, but they obviously looked far better against the Cowboys than they had all season. Meanwhile, the Jaguars are just kind of treading along. The defense is fine. It's not elite without Jalen Ramsey. Minshew magic is fading a little bit. They do win against the Bengals in a game that the, the final score doesn't really reflect that it was a closer game um, throughout it. Now, I don't know about you without seeing tonight and who knows what's going to happen. I kind of like the Jets here uh, at, at getting four and a half and I kind of like the over on 41. I don't know how you feel about that. I'm with you on both. Uh, I'm really hoping for a low scoring game tonight, something in like the 27 yep. to like three range. Cause I hope this gets pushed down to 40 and a half 40. This is one of those games that looks ugly on paper. I think if you tell somebody, Oh, the Jets are playing the Jaguars, like um, that total 41, that's gross. But like, to me, I think that it could be somewhat of a fun game because I think with the Jets' run defense being able to bottle up Fournette, right now I think New York's number three in rushing yards per attempt um, in the league right now, which is fantastic. I mean, we don't necessarily say that about the Jets' defense, but they are good in that category. And if they can limit Fournette, and I think I think Jacksonville's offense is a lot better when Minshew's throwing the ball because he actually has wide receivers and he's being used in ways that Bortles wasn't used. And obviously we didn't get to see Nick Foles kind of in that offense, but I think it would have been great for him to be able to use these receivers that Jacksonville has. And for the Jets, obviously with Sam Darnold, I mean, he to call it an upgrade over Luke Falk and Trevor Simeon just doesn't do it justice. Um, you know, with the yards per attempt and actually throwing the ball down the field, like... There is actually an offensive identity in Jackson. I've just been playing, again, Jacksonville overs with Ramsey out. They have just been getting burned. They just look like they don't care. It was, you know, we saw it last year, like midway through the season, they kind of quit. Um, and a once elite defense actually looked like Swiss cheese. And it's kind of been the same way with Ramsey out. I mean, they're they're basically letting any anybody do whatever they want to them. Um, Sands, Cincinnati last week before that fourth quarter um, eruption in points. But I'm, I'm with you here. Jets plus four and a half. And I'm going to see if, if that total gets pushed down. Um, I'm going to probably grab some 41. And then if it gets down even to 40 and a half, 40, if, if there's a low scoring game tonight, then I'll, I'll probably add more to the over. But I'm with you on this one, man. Yeah, we're on the same page here. And again, I could see this game playing out in a few different ways. The one way it's really hard for me to see it playing out is a Jaguars, like dominant performance where they win by like, you know, 21 or something like that. The Jets really, again, you know, you can't take anything from what they look like without Sam Darnold in there. It was an embarrassment. Luke Falk is not equipped to be a, uh, a professional NFL quarterback or anything like that. And I agree, the Jaguars defense, I feel like they still have this reputation because of what they were the last couple of years, and they're just not the same. So I agree, we're both on the same page here. Let's move on to Giants at Lions. The Lions here are laying six and a half. That's down from seven. And the over-under has ticked up from 49 to now 50. Now I'm going to say this. The Lions are the best 2-3-1 and one team of all time. They played the Vikings hard on Sunday, just coming up short. They did lose Carrion Johnson to a knee injury. I do not know the severity yet. We're recording this on Monday. We're not sure that could be meaningful. 
Uh, I'm not really sure, you know, whether J.D. McKissick uh, and Ty Johnson, I believe, are, are, are going to really be able to make that move there. Meanwhile, the Giants continue to struggle on defense. Daniel Jones has come crashing down to earth since his hot start. They did get Saquon Barkley back against uh, the Cardinals, but, you know, they're, they're really not looking nearly as strong as they were. So how do you f- feel here? Uh, Lions six and a half over under a 50. Yeah, I took the uh, took the Giants plus seven in this spot, mainly just because I made it six. And I said, if I, you know, if I get a six, then I'll think about it. Um, anything better than that, I was going to fire on. And I was lucky to get a seven at minus 120. Um, so, yeah, this is just basically pulling the trigger on a good number on uh, one that I felt was good. And, um, you know, I don't think we're going to see many sevens um, throughout the week. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this one settled six, six and a half. So I grabbed some seven, um, made it five and a half and said that I would take anything better than that. So I just, I just took a good number and I'm hoping that Daniel Jones can, can do something. <laughs> it's, I was a little surprised by the total that it's 50. I mean, I guess that, you know, the, the Lions offense looks good. Um, but, you know, you especially, you're on the spread here. Do you have any thoughts on the over-under since you've been all over those <laughs> yeah. this whole year? Yeah, I made it 48 and a half. Um, okay. Detroit is a team. They're a weird team. They're a team, I think, in the past couple of years, we've seen our fair share of 50s and, you know, Matt Stafford, Mr. Shootout, you know, and yeah. you know, they're always playing from behind. They have to throw. But really, that's not the identity of the season. I think Matt, Matt Patricia's gone with a more balanced approach finally because he's got a running back and some um, some guys on the offensive line and the receiving corpses to me is is pretty damn good um yeah. adding Hawkinson to Galladay and Jones is that actually gives them a pretty nice one two three or a nice one two three but um yeah it, it's weird it seems like the the skill players have gotten better but the identity's changed in that they want to kind of play uh, ball control and I, I know last week they got into a shootout with uh, Minnesota obviously mm-hmm. trailing and having to trade punches with uh, Mr. Shootout Kirk Cousins um, <laughs> so yeah um, I, I, I think this total's kind of gotten a little out of hand at 50 um, again I don't really like playing unders all that much in the NFL just because I'm um, you know <laughs> with my luck there are the 17 points going into the fourth and then 35 in the fourth but um, I, I grabbed New York at seven and I, I felt really good about it all right, let's move on here to the Bucks at the Titans. The Titans here are now laying two and a half. It was at three, so it's gone down a little bit under the key number. The over-under is held steady at 46. The Bucks here are off a bye. They'll try to recover from that disaster against Carolina uh, in London. Meanwhile, the Titans switch to Ryan Tannehill really pays off with the offense. It's not like they put up a ton of points, but it certainly moved more. Uh, they got involved, uh, both Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, so it was nice to see sort of the Titans look much more competent. Uh, on offense so with the offense looking stronger and the defense being overall solid how do you feel here titans laying two and a half over under at 46 so you said that the Chargers are one team that you don't want anything to do with tennessee is a team that i want nothing to do with on a weekly basis mainly because i just could not get a read on this team for the life of me i, I haven't won a titans game since like 2016 um you know looking at this one i there's uh, probably a 90% chance that I will not be on anything in this game. But if I had to go one way in this game, I'm probably going under. Um, Tennessee, being able to run the balls key for Ryan Tannehill, and the Buccaneers are, like, number one in the league in rush yards per attempt, which is, again, really, really weird. Um, if you want to beat Tampa Bay, you got to go through their secondary. And I have no yep. problem playing Tampa Bay overs when they're playing offenses that spread out or run play action. But Tennessee just doesn't do that. And I really don't want to buy into Ryan Tannehill. I don't think that <laughs> this is the right time to do that. Um, but I actually, I, I lean Tampa Bay and I lean the under in this spot. Uh, it's my job to talk about these games. So I am contractually obligated to discuss this one. But yeah, 
three teams, Chargers, Bucks, Titans, and this is two of them that I have no read on whatsoever. I can't get it. The only, I don't have any sense of the spread whatsoever, but I do like the under because I do think that this sets up, again, for the reasons that you sort of said, as more of a defensive game because, like you said, the Bucks are strong against the run. It's very solid. Their defense is overall underrated. I mean, they're weak in the secondary, but again, you know, even though Tannehill got involved, all of the receivers this week at least – I don't really expect them to be able to move the ball through the air regularly um, like the Panthers, for example, were able to do uh, last week. So for me, I agree. I lean under on 46. I'm not touching going anywhere. near. I don't know what the spread could be, which would make me feel confident either way, because I just never know which one of these teams is going to show up. Yeah, so this is, this is high for for a Titans game at 46 and a half. That's just a, that's just a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably reflecting the lack of respect for the Bucks defense, given what you've seen and given the fact that Tannehill was able to finally get the ball to the wide receivers. But for me, I agree with you. I definitely lean the under. Let's move on to the Eagles at the Bills. Bills here favored by one and a half and the over under at 42 and a half bills don't look you know particularly impressive beating the dolphins even though they won by 10 points they do get the win here they're always tough at home the eagles are an absolute shambles they're beat up hard by the cowboys on sunday night despite all the sharp money pounding the eagles coming into that game everybody loved them they can't stop the pass at all but that's not really the bill's strength so i get i think why the spread is as close as it is but what do you think here in buffalo bills laying one and a half over under 42 and a half yeah, I took the under at 42 and a half. Um, and this kind of falls in line basically with what I talked about with Tampa Bay and with Houston. Philadelphia kind of fits the same bill there where I want to play all Philly overs against teams that can throw the ball that line up in three, four wide receiver sets and just kind of run play action. Um, Philly gets burned by play action more than almost any other team in the league. And Josh Allen right now, I believe, is 20th in the league in play action attempts. Um so, yeah, it just comes down to Buffalo's skill players not really having the ability to stretch the field to beat Philadelphia. I think this game's kind of played in the trenches, and I think that this is a pretty bad matchup for Carson Wentz against a pretty good Buffalo secondary. Last week, obviously, wasn't um, a really good sign for them, giving up 21 to uh, the Ryan Fitzpatrick-led Dolphins. But uh, still, I think both edges go to the defenses here, and I played the under at 42.5. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think this is right about where I'd peg this both ways. Um, I just don't have a good sense of it. I agree. The game does not set up particularly well for a high-scoring game. 100% correct. Because, again, like you said, really where you can attack the Eagles is through their secondary, which is always banged up and terrible generally. But they're pretty stout against the run. And, you know, you're not going to rely on Josh Allen to torch a secondary. That's just not what he does. He's too inaccurate to do it. He moves the ball well and, again, his ability to scramble. But they like they really prefer to rely on their ground game if they can. Meanwhile, the Eagles, they're just, I mean, they're, they're, they're just, there's too many things missing right now from that offense. I mean, even that pass yesterday to Aguilar, you're just watching that as that, that long bomb that they had where he could have caught it and get into, you know, the end zone and he just kind of doesn't get there. And that's just kind of been what the Eagles have been all year. So if I did lean one way, it would be the under, but I don't have a strong feeling on it. So it's, it's more of a game, I think that I'd probably take a pass on. Panthers at 49ers. The uh, odds are moving a little bit here in favor of the Panthers. It opened at minus six. It's now 49ers laying five, and the over-under has come down to point two. It was 42.5. It's down to 41.5. We are going to get Kyle Allen again here as the starter for the Panthers. Uh, Ron Rivera came out and named him, and he has game-managed his way to victory. Sometimes it looks kind of impressive, but mostly he's just, you know, keeping things moving 
for the Panthers offense. Uh, the defense is playing much better of late, particularly the run defense catching up to what has been pretty consistently a very strong pass defense. As for the 49ers, they continue to roll. They deal with the monsoon and they remain undefeated against Washington. Uh, I kind of expected the Kyle Juszczyk injury would be a bigger deal. I, I can't really say that it's made a huge difference. I mean, they, they didn't put up a lot of points against the Redskins and they didn't put up a lot of points against the Rams necessarily, but I still think that, you know, you see the creative play calling and I'm not really willing to write it off, but they're strong, obviously undefeated on both sides of the ball. How do you feel here at 49ers minus five? Again, trending down and the over under at 41 and a half. Yeah, I missed the boat here at six. I, I, I should have grabbed Carolina when it was up. Obviously now it's down to five. Um, you know, San Francisco, obviously, like, you could talk about the the schedule and how they've won their games. Like, they're still 6-0. and Like, they've played, like, their defense is, like, very, very good. I, obviously, the, the biggest question mark here is Jimmy Garoppolo, who hasn't really played all that well. I think this past game against Washington, despite the weather, you know, they won despite posting, like, four point something yards per play. I mean, it was just ugly, but... Um, you know, this is a team that's that's kind of at the peak of their market price and a team that you're probably looking to sell at some point. And I think if you got a six, this is a pretty good spot. Um, Carolina off a bye. Again, we've talked about teams um, on the road coming off buys and how, how great they've been over the past couple of years. And um, Carolina, you know, this this is an East Coast going to West Coast, but, you know, it's a 405 kick. So I don't really think you need to adjust for anything there. And really, Kyle Allen's played exceptionally well in, in place of Cam Newton. Um, he looks really comfortable. Um, this is obviously going to be his toughest test, um, but I, I really wish I would have grabbed a six. Um, I really missed the boat on that. I should have been <laughs> a little bit more alert there. But again, you know, spreads are not key for me. Um, and in terms of the total, I think honestly I would lean over here at 40 and a half. Um, it's just not a lot of points. And I know, I know San Francisco has been an under team. Carolina has kind of been split. They've had their kind of wide range of games, um, this season, but at 40 and a half, man, that's not a lot of points, uh, for those two teams to get there. Obviously with the run defenses, um, being as good as they are, I think you're going to see a lot of throwing between, uh, Kyle Allen and Jimmy Garoppolo. So, um, I lean, uh, you know, I don't have any play here on the on the on the side at six. If you got it at six, great. Um, I don't really know what five does for you, but I would lean over here at forty and a half with the number going down. Yeah, the number actually is what I am seeing, at least for the consensus, is now at forty one and a half. So I don't know whether or not that makes a difference to you there. I mean, it, it's that one point, but regardless, I think we're viewing this as the same way. I think both teams are going to be able to to put up some points here. Um, I don't expect it to be a, a crazy shootout or anything like that. Um, but I do think that both offenses are, you know, better kind of, at least the 49ers, better than they've showed in recent weeks. Again, the Panthers have a great defense and they're trending up and they're coming off a bye. So, I, I you know, they have plenty of time to game plan for this. But uh, in terms of the spread, at least, I agree. At six, I like the Panthers. At five, I still think I lean towards the Panthers, um, but I certainly not as strong as I once felt. And for the total, still at 41 and a half, I'm still leaning the over, but not strongly so. Uh, before we finish up with our last few games, I want to remind everyone about our October giveaway. It is a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns helmet. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details. But to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. An entry into any contest gets you automatically entered into all future contests. So take your two seconds, support the show, and maybe win a free helmet.
All right, let's move on to Raiders at Texans. The Texans here are laying 6.5. It was at 7, but it's down to 6.5. The over-under is at 51. The Raiders' defense completely gashed by Aaron Rodgers, but their offense actually played pretty well despite all the injuries they've got going on, like Tyrell Williams being out with plantar fasciitis. They blew plenty of scores here in the red zone, like Derek Carr fumbling through the end zone. So the game could have been a lot tighter. Uh, Meanwhile, the Texans is a very tough game to the Colts. They also lose Will Fuller, who's got a hamstring strain. He's definitely going to be out for at least this week to the extent that matters to you. But they've generally played well overall. So we've got the Raiders at the Texans with the Texans laying six and a half and a pretty high over-under of 51. How do you feel? Yeah, you know what? This this is a weird game for me because I feel like I'm not adjusting enough for the Texans' offense as well as their defense. Because I made this 49.5, and and I was going to get involved on the under at 51, but I'm starting to have some second thoughts. Um, Houston's secondary is obviously terrible. Terrible is an understatement given that they are starting, I, I believe, the Pro Football Focus ranked their cornerbacks number 121 and 122 out of 122 cornerbacks. So they are legitimately starting the two worst cornerbacks in the in the league. And then you know I, I've talked myself into okay, well, you know Oakland's running this West Coast horizontal offense, and you know they're not they don't really necessarily have a guy who can stretch the field vertically unless you know it's Tyrell Williams. Obviously, he's been dealing with some injuries. Um, I've gone back and forth on this game a hundred times. You know, you could talk about Houston's offense and how good it is and how they should just pick apart um, Oakland's secondary as Aaron Rodgers did last weekend. And then you talk about Will Fuller and how key he is to the offense and stretching the field for Nuke. And I, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. I have no no lean on the spread, um, but I would, in this case, per my numbers, I would lean to the under at 51. Although I think if you're going to do that, this is just a game that you just do not watch because it could get it could get really ugly really quick and it could get into a track meet um, pretty, pretty damn fast. I'll be honest. I lean a little bit towards the over. I know mm-hmm. it's a high number here, I know. but you know, I, I mean, it's t- you, you, I can hear you. You're hesitant. I know what you're saying. You're saying this I'm is what my numbers my head, yes. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'll probably, it's funny because I'm probably going <laughs> to, this is going to be one of those games where I have nothing involved in it. And by, you know, 11.55, five minutes before a kick, I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm going to just play this. Over. Just, just, just go score points and it'll be right. seven to three and a half. And I'll be I mean, myself. So in the end, I think, I think really what it does come down to is the fact that the Raiders, uh, you know, even, I mean, somehow without Tyrell Williams, I mean, yesterday it was Darren Waller, of course, but Josh Jacobs looks legitimate. He's also getting a little more involved in the passing game, which I really like. They can score. Their offensive scheme is working for them. So I do expect them to be able to put up points, especially given the concerns about the Texans secondary that you mentioned. And on the flip side, look, you can attack the Raiders any way you want. I mean, and the Texans can. They showed uh, last week, you know, before they faced the Colts, they they leaned heavily on Carlos Hyde there. He had a ginormous game. Um, I believe it was against the Chiefs. Yeah, right. Against the Chiefs, sort of the revenge game. But they're able to lean on Hyde and Duke Johnson if they really want to. But Deshaun Watson can really do whatever he wants. I get Will Fuller is a loss, but, you know, Kenny Stills being healthy, he kind of stepped right in. He kind of fills that role. Kiki QT is still there. So I think this is just going to be a massive shootout, and I, I really do. I, I lean over. Watching watching the Raiders in recent weeks has basically made me come around on their offense, especially what they were able to do to Green Bay, which I admit is sort of not quite as strong as we thought originally with their pass defense, but it's still a pretty strong pass defense, and they easily could have put up, like, 35 mm-hmm. points on that defense. Yeah, so. the, the Raiders are so weird because they're not really the, the, this big play type of offense but they they just they can eat up six seven yards at a time and if you're if you're getting seven every time you're chewing up five six minutes like that's that's good enough you know what i mean like as long as you're scoring seven and not having to go 
you know, and, and you're not settling for field goals in the red zone. Those that's the difference between going over and under and getting into a shootout with Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, played a played a factor in that. But yeah, this is either going to be a game that ends up twenty to seventeen, or it's going to be forty to thirty five, and we're going to be like, well, that was the stupidest total of all time. So <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Uh, that that's a, a really good point. Um, and again, the Raiders, I I do feel a little bit more confident in their offense, and I have no confidence in their defense. So that's a good recipe. Browns at Pats here. Patriots laying 10 the over under at 45 and a half again we have not yet seen the Patriots tonight against the Jets their defense is tremendous the offense is a little bit hit or miss with all the injuries Josh Gordon not playing tonight Um, and meanwhile the Browns they just can't seem to get it together they lost a tough game to Seattle where they were way ahead the sharp play was all over them um, in that game so how do you feel here Patriots at home laying 10 to the Browns over under at 45 and a half yeah, as much as I have faded the Browns this year, um, I think 10's a lot of points, really. Um, you know, if this was a primetime spot, and <laughs> we obviously know how great Bill Belichick and Tom Brady have been in primetime, um, you know, to me, 10's just, 10's just too much. And I think it comes down to what we kind of talked about in the Arizona-New Orleans game, where, you know, if this is a 14, 15, 16-point game, yeah, obviously the back door is going to be, be crucial here. Um I might get involved on in the total, uh, the over at 45 and a half. I'm glad it's dropped. Again, I'm hoping for another, you know, like we talked about, low-scoring game today, maybe push that total down a little bit more. But I have been impressed with Cleveland's defense at times. Um, when healthy, I think Greedy Williams and Denzel Ward have played uh, exceptionally well, despite being in their second and first years. Um, you know, with if, if Josh Gordon's out, uh, I think it becomes a lot easier. And I think uh, I think there's enough talent on Cleveland's offense. If Freddie Kitchens, unless, unless he just continues to – be a train wreck offensively calling plays. I still think 10 in this spot's a little too much, even though I've, I've, I've faded Cleveland more times than I've played him this season. So did you say you lean towards the over? I do, okay. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. no, I do too. I just want to make sure that's what you said because then you started making some some decent points about the defense, frankly, and I was like, yeah, no, just to kind of – and obviously it's funny because you could you could make a case however you want, and there are always two sides to it. But, you know, in, in this case I do like the upside that Cleveland's pass secondary uh, has against Tom Brady if, if, you know, Josh Gordon's not available. Obviously they're going to scheme and they're going to score points. But, you know, in terms of being able to kind of stay in this game and, and keep it within range. I don't think it's going to be a blow, and it's going to have to be because, again, like we talked about, if this is a 14, 15 point game, you know, I, the back door is wide open. Tense just d- getting double digits, um, even though Cleveland's probably not the team that we thought they were going to be on paper. Obviously, we know they look good, but tense ten to me in this spot is just is just too much getting getting double digits. Yep, I completely agree. I lean towards the Browns and I lean towards the over. I don't feel great about you know going with the Browns just because they're another team who I feel like I don't really know what I'm going to see right now from you guys. But um, coming off the bye, Pat's off a short week, um, assuming nothing crazy happens tonight, of course. Um, I agree. 10 just seems too high. Uh, and the over-under, yeah, I think both teams are going to be able to to move the ball a little bit and, and put up, obviously, the Patriots will. But I do think that the Browns are going to be able to move the ball even on the tough Pat's D. Let's move on here to the Packers at the Chiefs. This one has obviously swung wildly since it originally opened, which was, I believe, the Chiefs laying four points when Mahomes was healthy. It is now all the way up to the Packers laying four points. The over-under still at 48. Um, Devonta Adams probably still going to be out here for the Packers is my guess, but Aaron Rodgers was completely dominant against the Raiders as we discussed before. How do you feel here? Packers laying four total at 48. Well, I wish Mahomes was playing because I would have played the over at anything 63 or lower. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> I, that would have been just the most fun game of all time. Um, so it, this sounds funny because 
Green Bay's defense runs out of dime most of the time, and if you look over the past few weeks, they've just been giving rushing yards up like candy on Halloween, and unfortunately, Kansas City doesn't necessarily have a rush offense. Um, They've tried to get LaShawn McCoy involved. Damian Williams is, uh, I don't even know if he's alive anymore. Um, So this would have been a great matchup if you're playing a running team, but obviously with Casey's tendency to pass the ball uh, with Andy Reid's system, um, I don't think it bodes necessarily well for them. Um, Kansas City at home, I know home and road defensive splits are kind of noisy, but Kansas City's typically been better defensively at home than they have been on the road. Um, in all honesty, I kind of lean under here at 48, and I like the Chiefs plus four. Haven't gotten uh, involved in this game just because it gets it always gets so tricky when you're talking about backup quarterbacks. And obviously with Mahomes, who's arguably the best player in the league, it's, it's kind of tough to pinpoint an, an adjustment here. Uh, I know last week, you know, uh, more stepped in for a couple quarters or whatever. We don't have a big enough sample size, but man, this is just this is too tricky for me. But honestly, I, I would lean the under in the spot at forty eight. And I, to be honest, I don't know if I'll get involved yet because this is this is a game that could also get stupid if um, if the skilled players can do anything for Matt Moore because there's a huge advantage for them against Green Bay secondary. Yeah, I don't feel great about the total, but I agree with you that I lean Chiefs here getting four. And, you know, the thing about Matt Moore, I mean, he's not in the same stratosphere, of course, as Patrick Mahomes, but he's one of the better backup quarterbacks in the league. This is essentially sort of coming off like a mini buy because they played on Thursday. So you know what Andy Reid does when he gets extra time to prepare. That's a tough place to play. It doesn't matter. You know, I know they, they haven't, you know, they lost to uh, Indianapolis and stuff. And so, you know, you're thinking about what it's like to play at Arrowhead, but it's historically been a really, really difficult place to play. The Packers are coming off this monstrous win. They still don't have many offensive skill playmakers, right? I mean, they've got the running backs, but they don't, you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't really doing it. Geronimo Allison, those guys are not going to scare you. And in the end, the Chiefs are getting a little healthier on defense. They looked good. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to take too much from the Broncos, but they looked like they're getting a little bit better uh, on defense and they are getting a little healthier. So I, I agree with you with that, where I lean initially with the Chiefs on four. And I bet you as this gets bet up, because it was at three, it's at four. The Packers are a really public team. I bet you're going to see some sharp money here hitting the Chiefs um, at some point. So I'm fine to jump on it at four. Uh, Let's move on to our final game. Dolphins at the Steelers. Steelers here are now laying 14 and a half. It was 16 and a half. So um, my guess is some money came in here on the Dolphins at that uh, inflated spread. The over-under stayed steady at 43. The Dolphins are what they are. The offense is kind of borderline competent when Ryan Fitzpatrick is under center. And meanwhile, for the Steelers, Mason Rudolph should return. But the Steelers offense is successful basically on a pure gimmick. I mean, they're just doing all sorts of crazy things. The defense has been very, very strong, particularly since Minka Fitzpatrick came over. So how do you feel here? Steelers laying 14 and a half over under at 43. So this game is so weird because early on in the season when, when Fitzpatrick was benched and Rosen came in, I started jumping on the Miami Dolphins over bandwagon because I'm like, okay, well, you got Josh Rosen. He's an upgrade. Kind of really has, you know, nothing to lose. It's <laughs> And sure enough, like Ryan Fitzpatrick is the guy who has more air yards per attempt than, <laughs> than Josh Rosen. And then on the opposite side, Devlin Hodges has more yards per attempt than Mason Rudolph. So it's, it's just one of those games where everything's kind of <laughs> ass backwards to me. Um, I don't have a play on this game. I made it 13 and I made it 42. Um, I don't know how much you can take away from, from last week's game against the Bills where 
the offense kind of <laughs> kind of looked competent against Buffalo. Um, yeah. You know, there were some times when Miami got bailed out by penalties, and, you know, Fitzpatrick kind of just made some otherworldly throws. Um, and about time a Miami over hit. I think I was like 0-4 betting overs this year, so I finally got one last weekend. But, you know, I wish I could could end the show on a bang with a play, but really I, I, I doubt I'm going to be involved here on the spreader total. There will probably be some player props I'll get involved in, but um, spread and total, I, I really this, this game just doesn't appeal to me from uh, a viewing standpoint or a betting standpoint, to be perfectly honest with you, man. This is such a terrible way for us to go out because I completely agree. I have nothing on this game whatsoever. <laughs> and I was like, man, I hope Alex has something coming in because I'm looking at this and I'm just like, uh, no, not really. I mean, I, I don't even have a lean. I, I really no, don't. I no. just I just don't feel good about either of these numbers um, at this point. Uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not even going to offer anything. I'm not even going to try to fill time because I don't have it. I, I've got nothing going on. So it's an unfortunate way for us to end the show. But overall, I mean, it was fun. Given your Bengals bit, I feel like we really saved it. So I'm not, I'm not all that concerned about it. I need, but, I uh, need a, a soundboard with just, just tidbits from that part because that yeah. was fantastic. I can't believe that you don't view the Bengals like that. I, I can't believe that like I live in this this alternate universe where I'm like the only one who thinks that the Bengals are like a fun, bad team. You know what I mean? So if you're listening out there and you are a therapist who specializes in obsession with Bengals, then please give Alex a call. Uh, He's going to remind you right now where you can find more of him and his work. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. You can find uh, me at the score.com. Obviously download the app. We have everything. We're covering now college football and NFL. We're also going to be doing some, uh, some world series stuff. We always have hockey stuff. Um, going to be doing some horse racing stuff this weekend so anything under the sun that's bettable you can probably find it at the score and then you can follow me on twitter at aj Coloje. i'm not going to spell that out for you because you know if, if if you can't get it right by now then really there's we just... don't have enough time on the show for you to spell it out again <laughs> exactly. but chat go back to the beginning of the show and you can uh, listen alex is a great follow on twitter um you can tell he's he's got a lot of fantastic insight so make sure to give him a follow uh, alex thanks again for coming back on the show i hope we can do it at least once more before the nfl season ends hope so dan thanks very much and go Bengals. <laughs> you bet all right thanks again to the sponsor of today's show BetMGM. remember to download the BetMGM sports app and use the promo code harris to get your risk-free first wager of up to five hundred dollars and don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed odell beckham jr browns helmet We'll be back later this week giving some of our best bets for Week 8. I'll talk to you then.